0: Hey guys, it's Jay. I'm a local pastor at Friends Church in Orange, and every week I get an opportunity to speak to my congregation, bring a message from God's Word, and every week after I get off stage, there's all these things that I go, man, I should have said that, or... I really wish I didn't say that, Um, and this week is no different than any other week. I uh, definitely had some of those moments and look forward to sharing that with you. But before we jump into that, I want to tell you a little bit about my week uh, this week. Uh, I, this week, struggled with doubt. I'm a pastor, but I'm a person, and I struggle with doubt just like any of you all struggle with doubt. And I I was walking. It was right after the rains had cleared everything out. It was a beautiful day. And I just thought, does God really exist? And when I doubt, it feels very similar to when I look at a word that's written down and I'll look at the word over and over and I go, is that really how it's spelt?" Like I spelled the word decision today. And as I wrote it down, I was like, that's not how it's spelled. So then I went to Google. I don't, I don't look things up in dictionaries anymore. I just typed it in Google and it came up, yeah, I spelt it right. And um, I thought, man, well, I guess guess that's right, but that just really doesn't look right. You ever do that? Have you ever looked at the word long enough that it doesn't seem right? Or say the same word over and over again? Kleenex, 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 Kleenex. You say it enough times and it doesn't mean anything. And I think this week, I was just emotionally and spiritually tired And so uh, if you listen to the episode before this, you know that my mother-in-law passed away and we were with her when she passed away. This past week, we went up to be uh, at her memorial service. And so there's just a lot of emotions in that. And God was so good. And I saw him so evident in those days and in the, the memorial service. It's like he was so real to me. And then I got home. And I'm tired. And when I think about the concept of God this week, I think, huh, I'm not so sure. That just kind of trips me out to think that there's really a God who created all this. He really cares about me and wants to be a part of my life. And he's got a purpose for me. And oh, that's my job. And oh, yeah, I've got to prepare a message because I'm about to stand in front of people and tell them about this God who loves them. That's purpose for them. And so uh, as you can imagine, it was difficult to prepare for this message. Also, um, my daughter got sick, which if any of you Uh, have two working parents in the household and your kid gets sick, you know it throws a wrench in your work life plans and so for me, I had to take a lot of time for my own personal doctor's appointments and her doctor's appointments this week, they all just fell. So by the way, it's possible for a four year old girl to have a cold the stomach flu, and pink eye all at the same time. I know it because we're living it right now. So anyway, this week, uh, dealing with doubt, not a lot of time. And it just so happens that the passage that we're talking about, we're now going through the book of Ephesians in a series called uh, Becoming Who We Are. It's a book on sanctification. And so it's a message series on what it means to allow God to take you through the process of becoming more like Jesus every day, what it looks like uh, philosophically, and then in our daily life. And really the first part of the book, which we've just started this series. So we're in the first part of the book. It's all very philosophical. So can you imagine being a pastor that's got to take a section of scripture that's very philosophical and you are emotionally tired. You are uh, logically tired and you're dealing with doubt. And now you've got to bring a philosophical treatise to your people. Not only that, but this portion of scripture is very offensive. So Paul starts off in Ephesians chapter two, verse one, by telling everyone that without Jesus, they are dead. Oh my goodness. Now I know I've been a pastor long enough. I know that it is very true that the cross of Christ is offensive. I know that, uh, Jesus can be a stumbling block for a lot of people. Um, and I have become comfortable navigating that, but anytime I talk about it, I know I have to do it with so much finesse and so much empathy and so much care. Uh, I've heard that you don't want your doctor to be your best friend, you want your doctor to be straightforward with you. Um, But at the same time, you want your doctor to have good bedside manner. And so I felt like going into Ephesians chapter two, verse one, telling people uh, using Paul's words that apart from Christ, they are dead it was like I was a doctor giving a prognosis. Now, luckily in that same passage, there is a cure given for that. The cure is Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he puts his Holy Spirit in us and we become alive. We become spiritually alive. So I knew that was coming, but I had to give the prognosis first and uh, I wanted to have good bedside manner, but because my week was so crazy, I couldn't spend a lot of time thinking through, how do I bring people along? How do I really say this in a way that is palpable and that people can, can really take it in and, and understand it? And so you can imagine uh, afterwards, I'm feeling a little vulnerable. I'm wondering, did that come across well? Did I do that right? And I think in the first service, I did a good job. I was surprised afterwards with the lack of preparation and how philosophical it was. And I'm not a philosopher, so that takes extra brain power anyway. I was surprised after first service how I could feel everyone was with me. And even as I was wading through kind of the ugly part of the before and after picture that was given in Ephesians chapter 2, even as I was on the before portion and saying some Sombering, sobering truths, I could feel like, okay, people are with me. They're giving me the benefit of the doubt. They're going to stick with me through this. And then when we make the pivot in chapter four, that because of God's great love for us, he has made us alive in Christ. Uh, they were like, it, there was power in that moment. I loved it. But second service, I was so tired after preaching first service and then I met with a congregation member in between the services and we had a really heavy emotional conversation and then I had to get up and do it again and I just I didn't bring the same energy and if if you are a public speaker you know that rooms have energy and for whatever reason our first service our 930 service has uh, more people than our 11 a.m. service quite a bit more so first service the room was packed they were bringing out extra chairs and it was standing room only in the back and uh the energy was really good and people were tracking with me and uh it felt good the second service 11 uh there were some gaps in the seats and the energy just overall was a lot lower. And I just, I didn't have my own energy. I didn't have the energy from the room. And so I left the second service feeling like, oh crap, <laughs> what did I say? What do I wish I could take back? What are people thinking about me right now? Thinking, man, well that that was a little blunt. That could've, That could have been handled a little better. And I don't even know right now what it is that I said. I'm gonna go back and listen to the message, and then who knows, maybe we'll come back and add to this podcast when I realize, oh man, I did I really say that? I might have to make up for that. But right now, I just have this raw feel, feeling of second service, I wasn't at my best, and it was such a, a sensitive issue. I think it was helpful uh, in both services, just acknowledging that when Paul says that we are dead without Jesus, He's talking about spiritual death, not physical death, that there is a distinction in the scriptures between physical life and spiritual life, physical death and spiritual death, that uh, physical death is departing from our body. Spiritual death is when we depart from our God. Now, it's not that it's dualistic and these things are totally separate because our life informs our spiritual welfare as well. The actions that we do in this life has a correlation to our souls. And Paul tells us that uh, aside from Jesus, we're dead in our transgressions and sins, that sin has the power to kill our soul. Um, so it's interesting. Paul doesn't talk about sin like we do. We talk about sins as these individual immoral acts that we do. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about sin more as a power. Sometimes he talks about it as individual acts, but most often he talks about it this power in our life and it really has the power to kill our soul. So just like disease has the power to kill our body, sin has the power to kill our soul. And so I think it was helpful that I could help people see that um, and hopefully that carries through. Uh, but I do wonder what gaps I left in that second service and how I left people wondering. I felt good that in both services, I was able to offer up a helpful analogy. Uh, so we talked about last week in chapter one of Ephesians, what it meant to be in Christ. And so we talked about how when you are in Christ, when you place your faith in Christ, you are included in Christ and you are included in all the things that Christ has achieved. So Christ has achieved victory over sin. And so we achieve victory over sin. Christ uh, achieved victory over death, and so will we. He achieved resurrection, and so we, too, will be resurrected. Uh, Anything that he achieved. We were included in that. He has an inheritance. We also have an inheritance. So that's all very theological, right? And most people, I think, tune me out when I start talking about things like that. I can just, I can feel it in the room. But what I did today is I put up a picture of the Patriots' new Super Bowl ring. And everybody like perked up because we're out in California. And so many of us, myself included, were really hopeful for the Rams to win this Super Bowl. And it was a boring treacherous game and the Patriots came away as winners. So when I put that ring up on the screen, uh, the room just kind of came alive uh, with some angst. So then I put up a picture of Tom Brady and he's right next to a physical trainer. And I said, do you know who this guy is? And everybody was like, Tom Brady. Everybody knows who Tom Brady is. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's Tom Brady. Do you know who the guy is next to him? And blank stares. And I said, I don't know either. I don't know his name. He's a physical trainer for the New England Patriots. That's all I know. But I also know this, Tom Brady led his team to victory in the last Super Bowl, and so he just got himself another Super Bowl ring. Also, I know that this guy, who I don't know his name, but I do know, he also got a Super Bowl ring. Why? because he's in the Patriots organization. And then I made the connection that it works the same way with us. If we are in Christ, we are included in Christ's victory. And just like that personal trainer, he's included in the victory of the Patriots because he's in the Patriots organization. Now, like any analogy, it breaks down over time if you keep pushing it, but I think it's helpful and it was helpful for my congregation to see like, oh, okay, yeah, we're included in Christ because we put our faith in him and we, we are joined to him. It made it easier to talk about the state of our spiritual health to even go as far to say that we're dead apart from Christ, because we had already acknowledged that if we put our faith in Christ, we are alive with Christ because Christ is alive. So I think that helped out. Um, I didn't get to use in another analogy, which I wonder if it would have been helpful, uh, because there is this pivot point where, uh, in the, In the text, it says, but because of God's great love for us, he made us alive in Christ. And that is phenomenal that God would love us that much, that even when we're dead in our transgression, even when we're just covered in shame and filth and ugliness, that he would look at us and say, I love you. And I, But I wonder if how many people are like, that's not real life. That's not real life. If I'm really... If I'm really as covered in shame as you're trying to make me out to be, there's no way some God would look at me and be like, oh, you're beautiful. I love you. Because that's just not how it works unless God is blind. And so I didn't get to dive into this analogy of how God sees us when we're in Christ. So I told the analogy about being included in Christ, like being in the Patriots organization. Uh, I had another analogy I didn't get to saying, look, this is how God sees us. He sees us in Christ. It's kind of like a construction zone. So if you ever see new construction... Uh, The big thing to do now is construction companies put big fences around the area and then they use it as marketing and they put all the images on there of what the site is going to look like. So let's say it's a dirt lot that has been demolished, but it's going to be high rise apartments. They'll put a big fence uh, around it with pictures of the high rise apartments. And then behind the fence where everything's ugly and everything's getting knocked down and demolished, uh, that's where the construction goes. But The foreman on the site, he knows he knows the plan. He knows they're going to be successful. And when he's working, he sees the end goal in mind. He sees that end picture. Uh, He knows that all of this rubble is going to be cleared away. New material is going to be brought in. That foundation is going to be built on and there's going to be high rise apartments there and they're going to be beautiful. Uh, Same way. God who knows the beginning from the end, who has already achieved victory through Christ, who knows that he's faithful to finish the good work that he started in us, that he will uh, eventually perfect us and make us like Jesus, be glorious in that state as well. But in the meantime, when we're becoming who we are, thats the whole name of the series, Becoming Who We Are. In the meantime, it's almost as if we are surrounded by Christ, we are in Christ. And he is the picture that God is looking at. So God who knows the beginning and the end, he knows that he created us with beauty and goodness. He created each of us with unique gifts, unique good works planned out to bring beauty into this world, to add to this world. And sin had gotten a hold of us and has warped those things and has taken what is beautiful and made it ugly, but he knows who he created us to be. And he knows who he's going to make us into. And so he's able to look at us even in the mess when we're just in the middle of the mess. He's able to look at us and see the picture of Christ and say, this person is beautiful. This person is good. I love this person and I'm not going to leave them this way. I'm going to enter into their life if they will only let me enter into their life and start rebuilding and reshaping taking them back to the original intent and to the future glory at the same time. And Ephesians chapter two is crazy on how all the, the verb tenses work. There's past tense who we were before Christ. We were dead before Christ. There is past tense. Even when talking about our resurrection, the passage talks about that. We've already been raised with Christ that we're already seated uh, in the heavens that that past has already happened. And yet there's this present tense that we are, God's masterpiece. We are his handiwork. The Greek word poema is used, which obviously is translated poem. Uh, that's where we get our word poem from. And it means that God is writing a beautiful story with each of us. And as we become who we really are, that's part of the story. But the end result is it's, we're going to be masterpieces. We're going to be beautiful. And so he looks at us now and he loves us now, but I should have said that When I was with my congregation, I didn't have a chance to, but I'm glad I had a chance to download that now, get that off my chest. And I hope if someone was in that second service, they listened to this, uh, that maybe that fills in some gaps for them. Or uh, if you are nowhere near Orange County and uh, don't come to my church, I hope that that is helpful for you as well. Just to get a picture of how is it possible that God actually loves us? Is he just blind or stupid? No, no. He knows the beginning from the end and he sees who you're becoming and he's going to help you get there as well. If you'd like this episode, please help me out by leaving a review on iTunes and subscribing to this podcast and tune in every other week. Also, check out my YouTube channel for weekly inspiration to become fully alive. Stay in touch and follow me on Instagram or come visit me in person at my church. And if you'd like to hear the sermon we deconstructed today, go to friends.church. Well, there it is. The things I should have said. I'm going to need to do this again next week. Count on it.